You know, I'd like to say this is the worst series finale I've covered, but I've covered Enterprise. This is written by Fred Bronson. You may or may not know that name. Uh, he also worked with someone else whose name I didn't write down on uh, Menage a Trois, Troy, over in TNG, as well as The Game. Not good episodes. Not terrible. Not good. He was actually working as the publicist for the animated series at this point in time. Worried that there would be a conflict of interest, he decided to go and do this on the sooner name, and then he found out that nobody gave a damn. <laughs> Color me shocked. He also did his homework on this one, since he was actually a Trek fan and wanted to put out a decent story, which is funny because he didn't. But he did put out a story that at least connected several threads. The Babel Conference, uh, April, the... Exploding, you know, exploding supernova, etc., etc. So McCoy leads him to the bridge and just cannot help himself from flirting with the woman in front of her husband. I laugh, but then again, she is voiced by Nichelle Nichols, so can't really blame him. What we do know is that the Universal Translator... So, okay, hang on. So they get a call from the other woman, whose name I don't even write down, I don't care... And it's in reverse, and anybody familiar with that at all would immediately be able to tell that's in reverse. They don't, of course, so she runs it through the Universal Translator. Question, why wasn't it on by default? Given how many alien races they encounter on a regular basis, wouldn't that be the norm? Where you interact with the race and, you know, it's just on? It's always on? Has everyone been speaking English this whole time? Because, God, that would make so much sense. Okay, whatever. So then they are being dragged along at warp 36. <laughs> okay. So they grab a tractor beam on them. I'm not even going to comment on the idea of grabbing a tractor beam onto someone who's going a warp factor about four times faster than you can. Actually, it's probably a lot more than four, but let's just ignore the warp scale for a second. And then they get dragged up to warp 11. Sorry, 14. Sorry, 15. Sorry, 20. Which... Considering she's going 36 and then down to 23, that makes even less sense. But again, whatever. And the controls are inoperative. And he tries the manual override. And the manual override doesn't work. And he can't turn off the tractor beam. Now, why is this so significant? This is the point of the entire episode. None of this episode would happen if they could just shut off the tractor beam. But they can't. And it's never explained why. I know that stuff just breaks sometimes. But really, that's the crux of your entire episode is, Sorry, sir, I can't disengage the tractor beam. <sighs> okay. Sure. Quick aside, they mentioned the mandatory retirement age of 75. This is actually apparently written by Mr. Branson because he believed that there was nothing you could really do past 75. <laughs> I mean, that's not true now. Never mind the fact that in the future, people live a lot longer. McCoy is the obvious answer, but just to name a specific one, I decided to do a little bit of math. Picard was 80-ish when he retired from Admiralty, as showed in the Picard show. He was 94 in the actual Picard show. <laughs> and again, McCoy was in his hundreds. All right, sure, whatever. I, I don't even... Why a mandatory retirement age? 
Especially when you have the kind of medical science that Trek has, even in this era. Why? I don't actually see the reasoning of that at all. An optional retirement age, like you hit 75 and you're offered, you know, hey, retirement, you want to retire now. Sure, that makes sense. But forcing it down your throat? And, of course, they changed their mind in this episode for some reason. The the implication is the idea that, well, since you're still a good commander, you'll totally do it. But he isn't still a good commander because he did that when he was younger with less knowledge. But we'll get to that in a minute. Anyways, whatever. So they're in the past. Yay! And by the past, I'm in another universe. <sighs> for the second time... In this show alone, they've entered an alternate universe, or a different universe, where the rules of physics apply differently. And everything flows backwards. The more you think about that, the less it makes sense. See, their brains flow backwards. That's why the controls are reversed to them. That's why the ship is going backwards. Because if they were trying to go forwards, they'd have to go backwards, which would make the ship go... They're also de-aging, which also doesn't make a super large amount of sense and also makes me think if the ship itself is also de-aging especially at the rate that they're showing which is decades within minutes so you'd think the ship would de deconstruct itself back into you know its composite parts fairly quickly as well this is ignoring things like light and time and sound and let's oh my god whatever it's dumb okay King, here we go, negative to story, and another negative to story for the fact that they can't even keep it consistent within their own thing, and a third negative to story, not that I'm reviewing these, because they cannot help but keep explaining the same damn point over and over, either because they are worried that this plot point is too complex for the viewers, or too stupid. I'll let you decide which. So, I, they're actually losing memories. What? Like, the idea here is that their brains are reverting, so their knowledge is going away, or was never there, or is ceasing to be present in their brains, despite the fact that they're still capable of doing things like talking. And <sighs> and so it gets to the point where they lose their memories, and their brains revert to when they were younger and didn't have the knowledge that they had, and I, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. They also, also, going through a supernova, excuse me, a nova, is what causes this whole thing. So at least we know Q and the Grey didn't come up with that idea. I just keep paralleling the show to Voider, don't I? All right, all right, all right, all right. So, they keep explaining the premise, which just irritates the crap out of me, and they plan to repeat it in reverse with a ticking clock. Now, this is the best part. This is a threat episode, right? But it's not a threat of the week. But they need to have the ticking clock What's funny about this is their ticking clock could be any number of things. But what they decide is, and I want you to bear with me on this because this is important. So they enter the alternate universe, right? And they go to their other planet. And according to the map, it's on the other side of the entire galaxy. But let's ignore that for a second. We could, we could talk away around that. It's only one hoop. Not a big deal. But whatever. So they spend the time going through and talking to her and then talking to the kid and they figure out their plan and all this stuff and they spend lots and lots of time where nothing happens. Then they have to go back through. Two things. First of all, this woman's ship, which can go warp 36, also has enough firepower on board to ignite a dead, a dead star. What? I mean, the Sun Crusher was already pretty stupid, but this is ridiculous. Then, out of nowhere, 
as they're going back, remember, they've been here for a while, they start de-aging. Now, you'd think, well, that's not a big issue. You know, everything, time is just moving in reverse, so they've got, you know, tons and tons of time. They might lose their immediate memories, which could be an issue, and could have actually been something like an intriguing story element that they forget the last few minutes, and so they're not sure why they're here and what to do, and they'd have to quickly write down a message and all that. But that would require thought and effort, and frankly, would not work anyways, because the moment they hit the other universe, within minutes, they would forget where they were and why they were there. And that would just lead to nonsense very, very quickly as they continuously forget everything as it's being presented to them. Which once again shows how the mind erasing things is just stupid. But to make this even stupider, they're reverse aging very, very quickly. Like 20-ish years in a few minutes. Damn. And so they all get reversed to, you know, oh my god, we're all kids and we can barely function. And the Commodore has to take command one last time to give the order to hit the button. And that's all he does. So that's that's neat. You'd think he would actually contribute in some way. But no, he just tells them to hit a button at the right time. Huh. They get back. Woo. Now, I... I don't like this episode. If it's not obvious, it's going towards the bottom barrel. But what happens after this is face palming. Because after all this, April, uh, by the way, he is actually from the original treatise that Roddenberry put out. And so that's a nice little thing. Mr. Mr. Robert, Robert April, he's like, hey, we need to put them through the transporter. It'll revert them to the way they were. Now, I'd complain about that, but that is now the third time just in this show, that the transporter has been a magic healing device to revert someone to the status they previously were. Also, under these exact circumstances, this might be one of the true definitive times when running someone through a transporter straight up kills them. No, seriously. They run baby crew members through the transporter to restore them to a previous version. So, this is... No. This is... No. And I know lots of people like to make the uh, transporter kills argument in general. I tend to push against that very hard because that's insanity and also terrifying. But no, here, here it seems pretty definitive. But it's okay. Because the Commodore, Captain whatever, Mr. April, is like, we can keep our age. We can stay our current age. And she's like, we can stay our current age. And he's like, no, I'd rather re-age myself up for no reason. Bull crap. The only acceptable reason I could consider that is because he has lost the you know, 18, 20 years of memories, which he gives no indication of whatsoever and not even lip service to. Instead, he just wants to go back to being old. And then he's allowed to be an ambassador. Sure. And then the episode closes out on a line by her, which I don't remember because it wasn't particularly interesting. Why is that relevant? If you look at all of the series finales, all except for two of them are closed up by the captain or the, the mainliner, or the headliner, excuse me, of that particular show. There are two exceptions. Deep Space Nine, which is done by Quark, which I give a pass because it's a great line and it fits Quark very well. You know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. And this one, which is done by Random Lady, which it's nice to have Nichelle Nichols give the final line of the episode. I'll give you that. But really... And then Star Trek doesn't go back to animation for 45 years. Question. How many of you are 45 years old or older? I'm not. 
I feel like they really backed away from the animation on this one. And I suppose that leads me to my series wrap-up. Now, I'm going to do a thing for TOS, TAS, and ENT, which is going to be coming live either next week or next 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 week and next next week. I'm not sure of the exact scheduling because I'm, that's actually going to be a good year from now from my perspective and, like, a week from your perspective. So I might even be in a different studio by the point at which I actually get to work on that. But I should probably give some thoughts right here having just finished the series. I'm not rewatching this crap. There are a few individual episodes that were actually worth a damn, and I'm totally with. And there was some legitimately good stuff here, but the ratio was not good. Well, TOS does this. TAS does this. Now, I know they were limited, and I know they had budget problems, and I know that Roddenberry was being Roddenberry, but this really is prototype TNG Season 1. And while I say that, and I firmly stand behind the idea that TNG Season 1 is not that bad... Lord knows I've seen worse. It shares the exact same problems of not really being engaging or interesting television. Or, allow me to put this in another way. While I will defend TNG Season 1 and TAS, the fact of the matter is, if this was it, if TNG never grew out of that, if TAS was the remainder of Trek, I wouldn't be a Trek fan. I would look at the show and be like, okay, and then walk away from it. How many of you would do the same? Legitimate question. If this was the, the standard, if the other six seasons of TNG, if DS9 and Voyager, not getting Voyager, and Enterprise were all at this level of quality, would you have stuck with Trek all these years? As usual, I think we are fortunate to have as many varieties and peoples, both in the working in and the viewing of when it comes to Trek. I am, as always, looking forward to your comments and thoughts and the results of the poll that I'll be putting out about a year from now that'll come out about tomorrow or next week. I do hope you all have enjoyed, for real. See you next time.